So like, what should I expect? Uh, we pose as like uh, civil servants who work at really? City Hall. Yeah. We work okay. in the city hall and we propose improvements for the city and we write these reports that go upstairs and get completely ignored. Oh my God. And, I, didn't uh, know. I, I knew you guys talked about city stuff. Like I knew the premise of the podcast, like I've read descriptions of it and everything, but I didn't know there was lore to it and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so everyone is, a me- so every, every episode is a meeting and ev- with every, oh, okay. at the beginning I get the due attendance and I get everybody's names wrong. And usually I do anagrams of the names, but I just, I didn't today. So I'm just going to make something up and we'll see what happens. And he's been coming up with anagrams for our names for four years now. Yeah, so I deserve a break. Bureaucracy's basement to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file reports, make recommendations, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. Maybe one day we'll escape the subterranean hell that is this basement, but until then, the city is not going to improve itself. This meeting is now in session. Hello, sir. Oh, hey, what? yes, me, sir. Wow. Happy, happy meeting to you, sir. Oh, thank you. I didn't realize this was going to be one of those fancy meetings. Well, it's been so long since we've had a meeting. I feel like that we must, uh, people have started to notice that uh, they're becoming less regular and less professional. I think we need to reassert our professionalism as uh, the uh, improvement managers that we are. I, I think so. I've been, uh, I've been doing my pandemic duty. Um, I've been going outside, uh, sneaking out with tweezers and trying to catch uh, coronaviruses. Oh, and how they're, have you done? They're very wily. Um, mm. I'm not sure if I've caught any of them yet. I thought I caught one, but it was, uh, turns out it was a kid. Oh, so, yeah. did he have coronavirus? Mm, don't think so, but he did have problems with being tweezed. Mm. That's, I bet you that's a sign of something. Of something, yes. Yep. People, people suffering from COVID-19 do not like being tweezed. It's true. Also, people who don't have it don't like being tweezed. Oh, did you? Yeah, I guess you would know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I tweezed myself just as a test, and it uh, turns out it's not fun. So I either do or I either am or am not sick. Okay. It's developing. It's a developing story. All right. All right. So should we um should we do our attendance? All right. Uh attendee number one, that's um you know, I, I wrote it down, but I kinda I'm not sure if I was on uh, like Xanax or Ambien or what. So it looks like uh it's a five hundred word fanfic about Corbin Burnson. Ooh. Do we, do we have one of those? No. Is it, uh, is it about his time in uh, small town Saskatchewan? Uh, with, you know the whole story about him uh, cutting a ribbon on the uh, giant uh, uh, paperclip? I'm, I'm aware. Yeah. Is it about that? No. 
Um, no, it's a it's an AU uh, set in the Star Wars universe. Oh, Corbin. Yeah, Bird. yeah. He's he's a clone who uh, wants something better from his life, and he's um, uh, force sensitive. Huh. Yeah, anyway, it's uh, good. yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm just uh, I'm I'm working on it. It's uh, I'm gonna pitch it to Disney, see what happens. Cool. Yeah. So, anyway, what's that? You must be old now. He he is he's get he's getting up there, but uh, he can still wield a lightsaber with the best of them. Good. Good. Anyway, is he here? No, no, Corbin Burnson. Okay. Oh, you know what? I actually just wrote down the name Paul Deschen, uh repeatedly. That's what the fanfic is. Oh well, that's me. Okay. And that's also very disturbing. It, I am I am extremely disturbed. Have even even saying those words out loud. So you're here. Um, and the second attendee for the meeting is uh, ooh. Oh, we're continuing with the uh, the celebrity theme. It is actually an eBay listing for uh, most of Susan Day's wardrobe. Ooh. Mm, yeah. She had some killer wardrobe. She did. She had some great outfits on, uh, I think it was L.A. Law, yeah. and uh, also on the Partridge family. Uh, and really, you know, for, for a former celebrity, it's, uh, it's pretty affordable. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. So... It's not here. It isn't here. No. Well, you know what? I'm here. Um, so I'm going to write my name down. Okay. And... Um, if you could remind me. It's, the, it's on your nameplate. Name okay. Aiden Morgan. Okay. Sorry, I said made in Hong Kong, but I was looking at the oh. wrong side. Okay. Right on. Okay, we're both here. Uh, yeah. Do we have quorum? We do not. Oh, well, we let's. Have let's meeting anyways. That's right. We're because we have a guest. We do. Yeah. Tell me more. Joining us remotely. From up, from upstairs, we have Mark Melnichuk from Leader Post. Hi, Mark. How's it going? It's going really well. Yeah, it's going great. We don't we don't have the attendees that I wanted, but you know it's still okay. Yeah, we don't have quorum, but you know that takes some of the pressure off. We don't have to like come up with really solid stuff today. Nothing. Well, that's good. You just take it easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, we wanted to talk to you because you are. Um, well, you're the Leader Post's expert on video games, it seems. <laughs> and all things, uh, uh, I hope you take no offense, but nerd culture related. Um, you seem to be, from my perspective, you're the only normal, normal person at the Leader Post. <laughs> so, yeah, not, yeah. Like Ar like, not like Arthur White Crummy, who's just like, you know, obviously deranged. Yeah, there's other people there who, who do play video games, but no one there who cares about them to the same degree as I do, I guess. So I'm kind of by myself there in that regard. I think there was an intern one time who was also pretty enthusiastic, so that was nice. But that that's about it. Um, your Twitter feed is uh, fantastic for all of your thoughts on uh, video gaming, but I guess what I'm curious about is... Uh, Video gaming during COVID, uh, I'm assuming it's better now. Well, I think, 
you know, initially when all this started happening and the lockdown orders went in place and everybody was told not to leave their house, you know, anecdotally from what I was seeing on Twitter, people were kind of just like, well, I'm going to play a lot of video games and I bet that's what a lot of other people are going to do. And now that we have, there's actually quite a bit of data and I'll try to not get us too bogged down with numbers, but it is pretty staggering uh, because there's this organization called NPD. I always think, I always mistakenly call it NDP because being in Canada, it bears a lot of resemblance to that political party um, (laughs) that tracks video game sales data. Uh, And what they've recorded was we just got the, the numbers for June came in and software sales were up 49% from last year. Wow. And then spending in general, spending on, they listed as spending on hardware, software, and accessories uh, was up 26% to 1.2 billion. And that's the highest June on 2009, which is just bonkers. Uh, the other thing that was pretty interesting was sales of video game consoles were kind of at the end we're getting towards the end of a life cycle right now. Right. PS4 and the Xbox One. The new ones are coming out this fall, the, the Series X and the PlayStation 5. So usually when that happens, sales of hardware start to go down a bit because people are like, well, what's the point in buying one when the next one's coming out soon? And some people are saying because of COVID, that didn't happen this time. Instead, uh, NPD reported in March. So just kind of March is kind of a good indicator of when the lockdown began because the March numbers came out in like April, right? Uh, Hardware sales were up 34%. No, sorry. Uh, Video game hardware was up 63%. Uh, And a lot of that was driven by the Nintendo Switch, I think, which also had a real, had a real, real hot item drop just as the pandemic was starting called Animal Crossing, which as of which launched on March 20th and the most recent sales data I can find for that one sold 13.4 million copies and animal crossing has always been a big deal amongst nerds, like amongst gaming people, but it's pretty crazy how mainstream it went this time. So, you know, everybody's thought that like people were going to probably start playing a lot of video games because they were stuck at home was basically true uh uh twitch which is a website that streams you can go on there and watch uh video game tournaments or people just stream video games had over three billion hours of content watched in the first quarter of 2020 which was a 20 percent increase from the previous year uh and steam which is a um i guess you could consider steam is what uh pc gamers play on their computer they it's basically like if you know what itunes is it's the itunes of video games they reached a concurrent user record so that's how many people were online at the same time and they set a new record at 20 million at one point you know during the initial throws of of the lockdown so it it wasn't just conjecture i guess when people were saying oh everyone's going to be playing so much video games like literally that's what people did people stayed home watched a lot of Netflix and played a lot of video games. Right. In other words, it was business as usual for me. Nothing really changed. Uh, but uh, I think I remember reading some articles too, that a lot of people were like new to playing who, who are new to playing video games might've even picked up the hobby. Some people have been suggesting that. So oh. yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And the other thing I just wanted to know, in case there's any parents listening who are thinking, my God, like my kids are just staying at home playing video games. 
all the time now and they're just stuck on this thing is the the saskatoon star phoenix spoke to a computer scientist named regan mandrick no relation to murray mandrick as far as i'm aware uh at the university of saskatchewan and uh i'll just read from the article uh she kind of went over the positives of a video game playing for people's mental health right now so they wrote, Mandrick's team found that video gamers with social anxiety showed substantial mental health benefits from playing a social genre of games. So say like games you play with other people online, uh, connecting more easily with others, feeling more socially competent and perceiving the game world as less broken than the physical world. <laughs> <laughs> They're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, There's a quote from Regan. She said, right now, as people are socially isolated, they're turning to games to self-manage their need for social contact. It's become about taking back control of our own well-being. So I thought that was kind of a a nice thing to note, like that, you know, yeah, you can play games by yourself, but there's so many games out there that allow you to interact with other people. Uh, Mm. And, you know, forge friendships and everything. And it might be, you know, with people not being able to see family and being socially isolated, you know, it might be the way you can spend time with a family member right now. So, yeah. Uh, now, that's not to say everything was hunky-dory and video games haven't been affected by this at all. There was a lot of physical events that were canceled. The Electronic Entertainment Expo, which is kind of like the big, big gaming industry convention that's held every year, was supposed to happen in June. That obviously got canceled. Uh, Gamescom, a big European uh, convention, got got cancelled. Uh, and a lot of esports tournaments and events had to be cancelled too. But what's interesting, probably the thing that I found the most cool, uh, seeing how much traditional, not that I was happy to see traditional sports be affected like this much, because they're basically, you can't have them right now, right? You can't have right. crowds anywhere, was how much traditional sports have you know, maybe in, in kind of a marketing way, I think have kind of relied on video games like NASCAR is using the video game iRacing uh, to hold tournaments with actual NASCAR drivers. Oh, that's cool. Um, oh, cool. There was even a NASCAR driver who got caught cheating because he was having someone else play the game <laughs> for him when it was supposed to be him. <laughs> so there was a cheating scandal, that's awesome. which is, which is just incredible. Uh, and then right here at home, I think one one good example is the SJHL, uh, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, obviously had to cut its playoffs short. So they took it upon themselves, because in, in the NHL, EA's NHL, NHL video games, you can have the computer play itself, right? So you can simulate games and have the AI play each other. They uploaded their player data and uh, tried to match their player data to make, you can make a custom team in the game, right? And set all the... Uh, skill ratings for the players and they had someone go through and do that for every team in the SJHL or at least every team that was in the playoffs and they simulated their entire playoff run and broadcast it on Twitch with SJHL commentators uh, which I I thought was awesome like I thought that was so savvy on the SJHL's part you know, especially since they're a junior hockey league, you know, they've probably got a younger audience to some degrees. They've got young players and everything. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool to see them do. The NHL sort of did something. Uh, and, and and I think the NBA, they had players playing NBA 2K and uh, the NHL video games and streaming them because, I mean, there's no 
I think they're trying to figure out how to play real sports right now, but I don't think it's going very well. Like at least every article I read just, just ends with, and they got coronavirus anyways, like from the camps I've seen that they're trying to do. Um, so yeah, like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been interesting to see, uh, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, maybe around this time of year, people probably wouldn't be turning to video games that much. They'd be going outside and not to say people aren't doing that, but I heard something podcast that was kind of interesting too. There's obviously a lot of financial pressure on people right now, uh, you know, a massive amount. And I heard someone say that usually, you know, I don't know what, if there's studies that back this up, that whenever, whenever there's an economic crisis, the need for entertainment increases the desire for entertainment because people, any kind of like crisis, like people want distraction uh, and video games, you know, they're not the cheapest hobby in the world, but it's cheaper than taking the family to Disney world. So, you know, if you're just going to stay at home and find something to do, it's, it's fairly affordable. So the, I don't think it's, and I, I have to wonder if I found it interesting when I read the number that the last time we had this peak was in 2009, just after the financial crisis. Uh, I don't know if there's a connection to that at all, given that maybe people were hard strapped for cash and just kind of bunker hunkering down and maybe, you know, out of work or something like that and just needed something to take their minds off the hellscape that was their world at the time. But, uh, so yeah, there's, there's never been a better time to play video games. (laughs) Awesome. despite everything else going on in the world. Now, yeah. it's it's my understanding that there's really only two characters that you can play on video games, uh, either as the little Italian plumber or the ape that throws barrels at him. Uh, but I, I recently found out that video games have come a long way since uh, since I know them. Um, so, so what's come out recently, uh, Mark, that you like? Um. On my PS4 right now, Ghost of Tsushima is paused right now. I had to set an alarm on my phone to make sure I wouldn't be in the middle of playing it and 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 not show up for this podcast, uh, which is an open world game set in uh, ancient Japan uh, that takes a lot of inspiration from uh, uh, stuff like Kurosawa. If you've ever seen um, Lone Wolf and Cub, like the old school samurai mm-hmm. movies, it's basically a love letter to that. Uh, so that's probably one of the most recent hits that's come out. That one is not a super revolutionary game. It's it's an open world game with a capital O. But man, is it just gorgeous to run around Japan and just see all these, you know, have these sword duels with very cinematic sword duels with, you know, autumn leaves flowing in the wind as you, oh. you know, duel with each other and everything. It's very on the nose cinematic. You can tell it's where it's paying its homage, but it's, it's just it's really, it's something to behold. Um, and then the other game I played before that was uh, last of us part two, which I think a lot of people were questioning it to themselves that they would want to play a game like that, given everything that's happening in the world. Cause it's a very dour game set in a, a post-apocalyptic world where uh, a fungal infection that kind of turns people into fungus zombies has basically destroyed society and people have, uh, be, you know, it's, if you've seen Walking Dead, you know what to expect, you know, society breaks down. It turns out people uh, uh, with not a lot of, people don't necessarily stick to their morals or the conventions of uh, 
society and uh, lots of bad stuff happens. Um, despite, well, uh, yeah, go on. I was going to say I'm about two hours in and uh, so far Ellie's got a really nice girlfriend and Joel's just met a new friend named Abby uh, and he saves her life. So everything seems great. Yeah, no, yeah, everything, don't worry about it at all. You might as, you can just stop playing actually because the rest <laughs> is just repetitive from there. That right, one actually more good stuff. <laughs> that one actually made a lot of people really angry and I, I won't get into the, I, want, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody just because of the direction its story takes. Um but I don't know. I, I I enjoyed it. It did some stuff I wasn't expecting, and I it definitely did things where I was like, well, I don't. Maybe what do I know if that was the right choice? But thumbs up to you guys for for doing it. <laughs> you know, yeah. they they had guts to do some pretty crazy things with that story. Yeah, agreed. No, I I, ha- I have played the whole thing, and uh, yeah, they it it certainly does things that most video games don't even try to do. Uh, so uh, yeah, I really appreciated that. Yeah, it's. It, it, I think video games, especially big budget video games, play it pretty safe all the time. That's one thing. Knock, I'll kind of give on Ghost of Tsushima is the the main story arc. I haven't even really been paying attention to. Like this today, I played it basically all day today and just did side missions and explored, and I didn't touch any main story missions. I was just running around, meeting people, finding quests to do, and stuff like that. It's one of those types of games where you know you can just wander off and be like, well, what's over there, and then a few hours will go by. Uh, but uh, main story-wise, Ghost of Tsushima plays it pretty straight, like everything that's kind of happened so far. And I'm like, yeah, pretty pretty standard Hollywood stuff. So it sounds like it's more just a world that you can get lost in. Yeah, I, I, yeah. absolutely. The The missions I've noticed, I, and I, it, it's always a question of quantity over quality, right, with games like these. I've noticed a lot of the missions of kind of like what happened, what I noticed with the last couple of Assassin's Creed games. It's like, oh, your family got kidnapped too, you know, and I've got to follow <laughs> the tracks to a, a bandit camp. I've already done that. I've already done 40 variations of this. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of that. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else is, I mean, the other big, I don't play Animal Crossing currently, to be honest. It's just not in my wheelhouse, but the people that love it, love it a lot, man. They really really dig animal crossing uh it's it's bonkers how popular that i think it's attained kind of a mainstream phenomenon like there's Mm -hmm. celebrities that have been talking about playing it right now uh so it's you know i couldn't really tell you what the game's about like I, i i honestly don't know i know i just know there's like turnips and fish and gardening in it like uh it's it's not my type of game i mean no no hating on people who like it like you know teach their own but uh the level of of all the games i talk to it's probably the biggest one you know mm-hmm. that probably deserves more time being talked about if if only i could give it the the, the it, it it's due because of just how much of a cultural phenomenon it's become um and yeah other than that like those two big games i'd like ghost of tsushima and uh and uh last of us are both sony exclusive so they're kind of like i guess sony's way of going out with a bang this generation and then for the mm-hmm. most part it's pretty quiet like summers actually are, are pretty quiet for video game releases usually everyone usually wants to put stuff out for the holidays and there's a lot of stuff coming out this holidays this holiday is just jam-packed um but yeah, right now it's other than those 
don't get me wrong, there's there's been stuff coming up, but between now and like October again, we're probably going into a bit of a lull where right. we'll just have yeah. to go outside, unfortunately, or something until there's more games to play. No, I won't, I won't be doing that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit inside until there's new stuff for me to distract myself with. Yeah. I should mention we've got about five minutes before the end of the half hour. Um, you were mentioning that uh, we're at the end of a generation of uh, hardware. Uh, if there's new, like, there's new stuff coming out, though, will it be out in time for the second wave of COVID, though? And what you is- know, that's something that everybody was kind of wondering and Sony and Microsoft still haven't announced release dates yet. All they've said is holidays this year. Um, the manufacturing, from my understanding, is because they're mostly manufactured in places like Vietnam and China and that, and that kind of area. They, they don't think manufacturing is going to be affected. They don't think so because those areas started to, co- started to come out of lockdowns. But... Uh, it's it's a weird time, man. Like, I, you know, like if I never would have thought of seeing video game systems launch during this, uh, I've yeah. even been hesitant myself to go pre-order one of them in a store when you're able to, because it's like, well, EB Games closed down all their stores during the lockdown. I think Best Buy might have still doing curbside pickup. So it's like, is it better to just do it online? So it's hard to say. I mean, they they don't seem phased by it. They, they're still like, no, we're, we're going full steam ahead. We're still planning to put them out. Um, there was a rumor, there was some rumors that Microsoft was actually going to put the Series X out in August to get ahead of Sony. And that obviously got the kibosh put on it by COVID. Um, their marketing plans have definitely totally changed. Usually they'll, they'll show up to E3 to announce, you know, in LA and Los Angeles and announce these big, uh, you know, price and here's the day you can buy it and everything like that. And instead all these video game companies are holding events online and streaming stuff out because, you know, obviously you just can't hold anything in person right now. So, I mean, kind of, I, I don't really know what to think. Like we, you know, who knows, maybe we'll find ourselves in another wave and another lockdown and this is going to complicate all this further. Right. That's the fear, right. That yeah. another wave is going to come. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's hard to say. So one quick question. If, if the city of Regina were a video game, just what do you think that would be like? What do you think that will be called? I'm, I've got no answer for this one, but. Uh... You know what? funny enough kind of jumps out to my mind is that there is a video game being made that's set in Regina right now. There's a local designer named Kai Hutchins uh, who's designing a game called Queen City Chaos. Uh, Whoa. So that's, that, that is that is kind of inspired by River City Ransom, I think, is, is, is what he said when he showed it to me. And his, huh. his studio, Massive Corporation, is, is building it. And I've seen a little bit of it, like the, the, uh, the Albert Street Bridge is in there. Um, I had asked him at that time, there was like a construction type site with a big pit. And I asked if it was the Capitol point hole. Um, <laughs> he, he, he coyly said it could be. Um, but then again, the hole is not there anymore, I guess. But uh, so, yeah, it's, like um, I, it's hard for me to, it's hard for, it's hard for me to think of that off the top of my head. Cause then my mind just goes to queen city chaos. Cause there's finally someone kind of writing an homage to Regina or making one in a video game. So oh, yeah. Well, I know, I know Kenton DeYoung ha- has like a video game set in the uh, cemetery. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that yeah. one, yeah. Um, but that's, that's, I mean, Queen City Chaos sounds great. We should, we should have him on the show. That would be a great idea, yeah. Yeah, totally. Awesome. 
Well, um, we're, we're running out of time here, but uh, thanks a lot for uh, taking some time out of your video mm -hmm. games to talk video games with us today. I was just double checking to make sure I got Kai's last name right. I did get it right, Kai Hutchins. Yeah. Kai Hutchins, cool. Uh, well, uh, we'll have to interview him about that. Yeah, well, thanks so much, Mark. This was uh, a real pleasure to have you on to talk about stuff. Thank you. Hopefully we can see you again in, in uh, IRL. I, I hope so too, yeah. Okay. Well, IRL, uh, I hate that game. <laughs> All right, well, normally we would move on to innovative revenue tools, but I think we should just uh, move quickly to the, uh, the recorded ones right now. Fair enough. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. And we're back from uh, the pre-recorded uh, Innovative Revenue Tools. So there's, those are great. They're always great. They're wonderful. But, but I, think, I think there's something that we need, we need to talk about even more. What's that? Well, it's got to do with Regina Community Radio. That's, that's us, 91.3 FM, CJTR. Regina Community Radio. I believe we're dialed into the community. Uh, Regina Community Radio needs your support. And I speak not to you, Paul, but to everyone listening. Um, if you buy or renew a membership during the 2020 CJTR membership drive, that's on now and it's running until August 14th, uh, then you get the gratitude and benefits of community radio. Right now, with many businesses suffering during this COVID economy, CJTR's business partners have been forced to reduce their advertising dollars. And while CJTR has taken steps to tighten their own belts, there is a very real possibility of community radio disappearing. But did you know, listeners, that one of the best ways to support 91.3 FM CJTR and community radio during these tough times is to buy a CJTR membership? Paul, did you know this? I knew that. I just extended my membership by another year. Well, excellent. Because yeah. every new or renewed membership will receive a lawn or window sign showing your support of the station, plus lots of cool benefits tied to each membership level while supplies last. So help us weather the storm and show, share, show your support for People Powered Radio. Buy a membership online today to reap the benefits, get that sign, help secure CJTR's future. You can visit cjtr.ca slash membership for full details to buy or renew your membership today. It's a great idea because it's a great station and it needs yeah. to survive. Yeah. And, you know, and if you don't, if you don't get the membership and CJTR goes away, then Paul and I are just sitting around shouting at the wall and the wall is not a good audience, but you people are. Give our lives meaning people. Yeah. Exactly, because <laughs> right now we're we're kind of we're kind of scraping along for some of that meaning, and uh, we we want you to help us out. On that note, well, I was gonna I was gonna pitch my innovative revenue tool, but I feel like that's a perfect segue into what we were gonna talk about today in the uh, the second half of the meeting, uh, and that is uh, business support. Oh, I believe that is like a support for business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of this. Um, but, and, and I wanted to start this off by, uh, by pouring one out for boards and beans. 
Uh, oh yes, I, I saw I saw the sad news. Yeah, Regina's board game. Regina's board game cafe has uh, has closed its doors for the last time because well they closed their doors at the beginning of this they haven't been able to reopen and they will never reopen uh, yeah. because uh, the COVID basically killed that business. COVID nineteen doesn't just affect people; it affects businesses and institutions. Um, Boards and Beans was a great little coffee shop downtown that where you could play board games, and they had a huge uh, archive of board games that you could choose from, and uh, they made a phenomenally good espresso there, <laughs> which you would not expect from a place where the, the espresso is their secondary business, mm-hmm. but it was actually very good, and uh, the people who owned the place were usually in there playing board games and giving recommend, uh, recommendations and... Uh, uh, rules, tutorials. Uh, so it's really sad that this locally owned business um, that uh, had really, it had not been around that long. And uh, for it to go under like that is uh, very sad. And I'm I'm concerned that I'm sure this is not the only business in Regina that has gone under because of COVID. And I'm sure it's not the last. But uh, when I saw that, it's a place that I'd actually been to a few times and enjoyed enormously. And uh, it's uh, it's very very sad news. I agree. Well, hopefully that they'll they'll be able to, you know, restart the business. I know that's a tall order, um, and you know when your when your business goes under, it's not like you have ready access to lots of capital to start up down the road. But I hope they can uh, they can recover and do continue to do great things. Because apparently the cash that comes in uh, Monopoly and Payday, you can't use that to pay your property taxes. What? Oh, right? that is. Have they tried? Confidence is half the game in this economy. That's a really good point. And I mean, money is really just a mental construct. It isn't actually a physical object. Mm-hmm. So maybe they just didn't believe hard enough. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, I think that that might be it. Also, uh, council didn't believe enough. Uh, there was uh, an executive committee meeting at which uh, the idea of some kind of like property tax relief was pitched. And I don't know if... Um, giving businesses the option to use fake money to pay the property tax was raised, but it didn't change the fact that businesses in Regina are not going to be getting any property tax relief beyond what they've already received. That is a real shame. Yeah, now this still has to go to the July 29th city council meeting for ratification, but um, it turns out, so where this all started is back in the days when we were having uh, council, all council and committee meetings had been canceled. And uh, they were only having meetings that were strictly uh, devoted to uh, how do we cope with COVID. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce, the Hotel Association, and um, the uh, Canadian Federation of Independent Business, and also some local businesses sent in communications to city council saying, look, we need property tax relief. Uh, preferably, we'd like to see property taxes eliminated at this point temporarily, or we would like to see them reduced. Uh, That's what was being considered at this executive committee meeting is the possibility of giving property tax relief. Unfortunately, it turns out that the city is prohibited by the province from giving out uh, property tax relief to businesses because this is a, um, what, what was being asked is for an entire class of uh, property taxpayers to get some kind of uh, relief from property tax. Hmm. And that's actually specifically 
prohibited in the Provincial Cities Act. Uh, section 244, section, uh, subsection 11, uh, says you can't defer, cancel, reduce, or refund property tax for entire class or subclass of properties. So, um, yeah, the province made it a little bit difficult for the city to uh, sort of step in at this time with um, property tax uh, relief. Um, they also pointed out that they're facing a situation where the possibility of people even paying their property taxes at this point is um, a question. So uh, the city is looking at you know, the, the, their future property tax revenues being considerably lower than uh, normal. So, so there'll be a shortfall. Yeah, they're, they're facing a pretty massive shortfall. So the idea of like giving an entire class of uh, properties a property tax uh, abatement of some kind would be, uh, could be, could spell the doom of the city maybe, I don't know. But what they've come up with as a support is they'd like to present businesses with a grant program and they're calling it their economic recovery grant program. Uh, it's going to be a, uh, it's coming from a pool of $2 million dollars that will be extracted from the uh, general fund reserve. So the general fund is a, whenever you have like a, uh, a budget and uh, it turns out that in the previous year, there was like a surplus of a few million dollars. They'll kick that into the general fund and the general fund oh. reserve is specifically for emergencies or surprise things. So in the past, they've used it to do things like there was like an opportunity to buy a chunk of land that was really useful and important to the city, but they had a very you know narrow window to pay for it. They can pull that money from the, the general fund. And in this case, the general fund, which is uh, currently $24 million, uh, they can, uh, it's supposed to be used for things like this. Uh, so it's handy that we have it. And it's interesting to note that a few years ago in the 2017 budget, when uh, the provincial government slashed transfers to cities, the cities were like, oh my God, how are we supposed to like, you know, survive with so many millions of dollars less in revenue from the province? Uh, the province said, well, why don't you just dip into your reserves? You guys have millions in reserves, just pull that out. Not knowing that, you know, three years later, there would be a global pandemic and we would need that reserve money just to like, uh, cover the bottom line. And in this case, hopefully bail some businesses out of, uh, you know, financial ruin. So the way this is going to be administered, uh, the idea is this is supposed to help businesses recover from the, uh, uh, from the COVID situation. So it's specifically for businesses that have faced problems. So there's apparently there's a lot of businesses in town that are doing well or even thriving in this new economy. Uh, so this, they wouldn't be able to apply for this. It's supposed to help with businesses that are trying to come up with ways to adapt to the economy the way it is. Right. There will be a jury, like a committee is going to be struck that will be deciding who gets uh, grants from this. Uh, the grants will be, will range from $1,000 to $25,000. Um, we'll get back to that in a sec, but uh, there's like a whole list of criteria for what you have to, uh, you know, meet and you have to meet at least one of these criteria, preferably more to get these funds. So the first one is, will you be providing new jobs or having like your employees come back to work when things open up? Uh, are you financially sustainable? Have you faced like impacts from COVID-19? Uh, do you have uh, other partners or grants or other things that you have like taken advantage of? Are you looking, uh, are, does your business 
contribute to a diverse Regina economy. Um, and like from this point on, like they're, they're pretty telling what they're trying to go for here. Uh, business transformation. Uh, have you adopted e-commerce and digital technology to uh, mm. you know, your business going? Uh, do you have tangible place-making be- benefits? Does your business contribute to Main Street vitality? Environmental alignment. Does your business support the transition to a low-carbon future? And community impact. Do you have um, benefit? Do you benefit the members of our communities that are disproportionately impacted by COVID-19? So interesting that the city is um, sort of slanting the direction in the way. Like it's not just strictly are you a financially viable business? It's uh, are you a good business for us, uh, for our community as well? Right. Yeah. So a little bit more intangible in some of these things. And there's a couple of other criteria that I've heard. Um, One is, are you um, paper cutouts of people or are you actual people applying for for the the money? And the other, uh, on a similar vein, is are you an act, do you have an actual storefront or is it just painted on a wall so you can like hide around the corner and watch people try to walk into it and then record that and put it on YouTube? Um, so if you are that, you get the money? Yeah. Okay. Because the city of Regina finds that pretty hilarious. And if you can monetize the, you know, people walking into the wall uh, when they're trying to get their, I don't know, dishwashers or tax advice, then yeah all the better. Uh, it does surprise me that they're picking winners and losers and that some of the winners they would be picking would just be like storefronts painted on the sides of buildings. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think there needs to be a, like a further investigation of that because uh, I think there are some people who would not be happy that the city of Regina had all this money and was just giving it out f- for the lulls, so to speak. Right. So, but, I, you know, I, I think there's a place for that in, in this town. Who am I to like, you know, argue with uh, with innovative business practices yeah. in the city? Well, the giving of money out to paper cutouts. Oh yeah, that strikes me as something that's that's come down from the province. Like that was a directive from the SAS party, I'm sure. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, also, um, dogs in trench coats and hats. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're if if it looks like a legit business, but it's actually just some dogs in a trench coat with a hat. Um, then you get, I think, a bonus of like 1.5 above the baseline grant level. What about if you're cats, like a stack of cats in trench coat? Nothing? There's, there's no real provision for cats. No. Um, I, I think the Sask Party really, they're kind, of a, they're kind of a dog. They're made up of dog people more than cat people. And it's, and it's reflected in their policies. It really is. Yeah. yeah. The uh, disgusting pandering to the dog market with uh, their dog parks. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Their, their shadow dog government, the whole, the whole thing. And we know that this is where the global transportation hub is going. And it has always been going from the beginning that it would be a, a you know, a massive dog park. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it would just weigh, even a dog park, it would actually be a reason to put the dogs to work. Yeah. Yeah. Doing, I don't know, sorting um, being good boys, uh, all the many things that dogs are qualified to do. Yeah. And true fact, the uh, Regina bypass, mm-hmm. you totally run your dogs on that without fear of any cars hitting them. I don't want to say that that was a deliberate choice. And we're just now seeing the fruits of their nefarious policies with the bypass, but yeah, that's what's going on. It's uh, it's a pretty fabulously empty bypass. Yep. 
for the dogs. So yeah. they, they made it so that there would be no real traffic on it. Well, with this, I don't know if, um, if uh, the dogs are going to, I have nowhere to go with that. Uh, <laughs> Except to mention that we're on 91.3 FM CJTR. Uh, we're tuned into the community. We are. Yeah. I thought for a while we were dialed into the community, but tuned. But I guess we're tuned in. Are we dialed in? Did I get it wrong? I, I don't know. Oh, damn. I, I don't remember. Tuned in sounds better. Okay. Frankly. So let's go with that. Okay. Um, so phase one of this business support is uh, going to start in August, so next month. Uh, and it will run through to de- December 31st. It's going to support the most immediate and critical needs of the business community. 40% of the $2 million will be distributed at that point. And then phase two will start January 2021 and run through to December 2021. And it will be the other 61, uh, 60% of the funding. And it's for businesses who need more longer-term strategic help and it will help diversify the economy and create sustainable opportunities. Um, I'm, I don't know, like the, the money seems small to me, like a thousand dollars to $25,000. I'm like the city points out that there's all these other grant opportunities and business supports and that they're trying to like spackle over, um, you know, this, uh, this recovery phase that's maybe not being as supported by the province and the feds as it could be, but, and they're also sort of insisting that if you get this money, you have to be ponying up the same amount of your own money to your own efforts to recover from the uh, COVID. So I don't know, like, it doesn't seem like crises like this, this is the time when the government's supposed to be the pocket, they're supposed to like empty their pockets at points. Yeah. Like but just, just, just give, just give the people money. Yeah. That's I feel like what they need. Do you remember those first few meetings of the pandemic when council was meeting to like declared an emergency and that's all they accomplished over like 12 hours of meeting time. They declared mm. an emergency uh, and devoted no resources during that time, but dickered over the language of how, of how much of an emergency. <laughs> that I feel like that if this had been presented, then the panicking council of the, that day would have like tripled the money or quadrupled the money that they were giving. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, I, I have no doubt. They would have been like, let's give them millions. They would have said. Yeah. 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 But now everybody's sort of like, you know, gotten into a vibe. Nobody's like as worried anymore. They're kind of, they've become inured to the, uh, the, the, the pandemic. And you know, even as cases creep upwards on, uh, slowly but surely exactly and yet and so now they're starting to be like oh we've got to be careful with money can't be spending too much it's only people's livelihoods we're we're talking about here yeah no big and i do recognize that you know they, they may be thinking about we may have to do this you know we've got 24 million dollars in this uh, general fund we might have to do this 12 more times so mm. Maybe that's the thinking, but I, I would have liked to have seen these grants a little bit bigger. Me too. But, uh, I agree. The committee that will be adjudicating how this money is given out, the original recommendation was for the, it would be administered by the Regina and District Chamber of Commerce. So basically the city would be handing the $2 million to the Chamber of Commerce and they would be making, they would be running how that money was given out. They would hmm. strike a committee including the city representatives 
uh, Economic Development Regina and the Chamber of Commerce would, be, would sit on the committee. Hawkins passed a motion at this executive committee meeting to change that so that the program would be administered by the city of Regina instead of by the chamber. Okay. But that the city would seek advice and input from businesses uh, in the city on how to do this. Um, that strikes me as a good change. Like I, like I have no reason to think that the chamber would be um, unreliable in the way that they would distribute $2 million. But if it's the city's money, I really yeah. they should be in charge of it. I would rather have civil servants is what I'm saying. That's right. Dull civil servants parceling out money like favors from yeah. heaven above. Yes. As opposed to the chamber of commerce, just taking all the cash and put, putting it on the floor and then rolling around on, in it and laughing at those suckers from the city. Yeah. It is what I'm picturing going on over there. Right. You have no data to back up that. <laughs> I don't even have anecdotal evidence. I just have the words that are coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Okay. So, which I believe wholeheartedly as I, as I say them. That's, that's how I run everything around here. Right. Um, Andrew Stevens tried to add a criteria. Mm -hmm. he, wanted, um, he wanted businesses that are paying a living wage or better to get rated higher by the committee, but that got voted down. Oh. It was, yeah, it was only him and Councillor Mancinelli who voted in favor of that. But uh, um, that's too bad. That would have been it's too bad. Yeah, because I think I think we should encourage living wages, a living wage, wherever, what in whatever way we can. Right, and I think this is a back door. Like Councillor Stevens, uh, I guess it was last year, tried to get a living wage policy passed at the city, and that got voted down. So now he's going to try and like sneak a living wage policy into each and everything that comes along. At <laughs> so, um, yeah, this will be going to council, as I said, on uh, July 29th. Uh, if you, if anybody listening to this is interested in supporting it by presenting a council, you can do that. Or if you think that uh, there should be changes or modifications to it, there's still time to do that. Um, I don't know. It's I, I like I, I normally I'd like to bring up things at these meetings that bug me and I want to like complain about. And I mean, apart from just, I think it could be a bigger fund. I think this seems like a fairly good program. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm liking the sound. I'm, I'm actually really glad they are doing something. Yeah. I think that's, I think, uh, and I, I mean, they found a way around the property tax issue. Yeah. Um, it is one thing that's come up a lot is the whole idea of, um, local buying and local procurement. But that's something I don't think that the report has come back from administration yet. But like anybody who's paid attention to city council knows that uh, we're hamstrung by uh, free trade agreements that, you know, successive conservative and conservative leading governments at the provincial and federal level have signed on to that basically say cities cannot do local procurement. We can't, uh, we can't say that, oh, we're just going to buy concrete from local providers or only hire local consultants. We have to, we have to throw open the, uh, the procurement process to everywhere in Canada and within North America. So that's, that's a non-starter. So this, this really does seem like one of the few things the city has the power to do, which is cre to create a grant like this. So. All right. The only other thing that I thought we should mention um, about this, because there is that council meeting coming up on the 29th. 
Um, the city is considering doing a transit master plan. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I've, I haven't heard any of anything like this ever before. Yeah, no kidding. Hey? Yeah, there's a request for, uh, from administration for $440,000 to develop a transit master plan. Uh, so I can't even remember when this happened, and it wasn't mentioned in the report, but council requested discussion of a transit hub downtown and what that would look like and how we do it and should we even have it downtown. And that is now, as far as administration is concerned, well, it is the center of our transit network. So if we're going to think about changing it, we have to go right back to the drawing board and do a whole new transit master plan. Um, We currently have it just passed as of last year, I think it was, the transportation Mm -hmm. master plan. It might have even been this year that it got final approval. Uh, We have a transit investment plan from about eight or nine years ago. That's still in effect. We have the official community plan. All of these things talk about transit. I'm surprised that this request for a transit master plan didn't come with a more comprehensive uh, state of transit report. Like, how have we done on all these other, like, goals that we've set and plans that we've made for the transit system? How are we doing? Um, mm-hmm. And that's not there. It's just, uh, it's we need to have a transit master plan and... I, I feel well, like, we, sorry. I was going to say, I think between you and I, we could probably do one for far less than $440,000. Oh, heck yeah. Um, do you have an idea? I, I do. Uh, as you mentioned, we already have, we have the tran- you know, transportation master plan, we have the transit investment plan, we've got neighborhood plans. Uh, I say we take, we invest in um, some office supplies, uh, scissors, uh, tape, um, uh, we'll get the photocopier fixed and uh, we'll just cut together the other plans that do with transit and then just uh, staple that together. I think that's a really good idea, actually. But I think we need to use like maybe really, really expensive staples to justify the 400 plus thousand. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we could even come in at 300,000, 400,000, we might be able to get this contract. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like whenever we do these smaller plans for like a segment of the uh, network of things that the city provides, like a trans, transit master plan, when that comes out with recommendations in three, five years, however long it takes, it will, it will necessitate all of these cascade of decisions that need to be made for the entire road network. And so, damn, it's time to update the transportation master plan. <laughs> And then once that's done, we're going to have to go back to the drawing board on the official community plan. And it will just, this master plan. Right. It's a hamster wheel of master plans that we're in. And whether or not we actually achieve a fulfillment on any of them, I don't know. And in the meantime, everything is just done out of expedience and necessity while we cycle through plans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of uh, people coming uh, with special cases that need special treatment, and so we'll just violate the rules of the master plans that we have in place anyways to accommodate their special needs. Exactly. Uh, yeah, for a city that has so many master plans, we certainly do a really good job of impersonating a city that uh, has no planning whatsoever. <laughs> it's, um, it's, they, they got into it on Halloween. The city of Regina went out as like a 
kind of a, a vaguely clueless, ambling city ruled only by money and, and, and whim. And uh, they really got into that. So they never quite dropped that costume. Yeah, 19th century laissez-faire cosplay. <laughs> That's right. Going on the, sort of the top hats and their waistcoats. Monocles. <laughs> Looking like Roger Stone. Oh, for f- God damn. Anyways, um, I think that's it. I think we are running out of time on this meeting. All right. Well, should I move to adjourn? I think you should move to adjourn. Will I move? I second. Well, in that case, motion passes. This meeting has been adjourned. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, which on community radio. Tune into the community. Uh, we are broadcast live Thursday evening, 7 to 8 p.m., and rebroadcast Monday mornings, 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, you can find us, obviously, on 91.3 FM. Also, you can find us on Twitter at QueenCityIB and at our website, QueenCityIB.com, and on, uh, if they're still doing podcasts, on CGTR.ca website. Coming up next, we have, I believe, the Nerdcore Cabaret, followed by uh, the cockpit, and then it's music all on through the night. That's it. Keep on improving, Regina.